Hello and welcome to the Four Color Nerds Comic Podcast, episode 21. I'm Christina and I'm joined by the other nerd, Ryan. Hello. Together we take on this week's comics. Each week we read a variety of comics and gather here to discuss them. This is a review show, so there will be spoilers. If you don't want to hear spoilers, take a break now and go read your week's books, then come on back. Each week, one of us picks our favorite book of the week. Our, that's our pick of the week. This week, I am this nerd. This week, the pick of the week goes to Angela, Queen of Hell, number five. Is my pick, Angela, Queen of Hell, Marvel Comics, issue number five, written by Marguerite Bennett, art by Kim Jacinto and Stephanie Hans. Love the continuation of this story. This is kind of the end of, well, it's kind of like a fairy tale. We all kind of knew that Angela was going to probably win because really marvel comics probably just wants to keep writing this especially hopefully with marguerite bennett so (laughs) my rundown of of uh this fairy tale is a lady knight in shining bikini rescues her sarah from the realms of hell with her trusty (laughs) draugr sweet little puppy and uh some help with her friends and some memories of enslaved enslaved angels to bring her fear and chaos and pain with her to attack hella Basically, Angela takes her takes her down with all of the horrible fear and chaos and pain memories by the enslaved angels and takes her crown. And I love it. They're like, one day later, she makes her pardons, pardoning the angels of hell. Hell based, it sounds like the angels will no longer go to hell when they die and they're going to now go to Elysium. She frees Leah, who I love, takes the dog. I, I love the part with the dog where it's like barking and it's just like saying like, I think it's like entrails. Yeah, and... I, I feel like it's like I feel like it's growling like entrails, entrails. Love that little dog. <laughs> yeah. it reminds me of like in the the cartoons, like the Warner Brothers cartoons, where you have the two dogs, like the one big dog and the little dog. Like that puppy reminds me of like the little dog who wants to fight. And it's so funny. I I kind of almost wonder if like that if we get to see more of of her of Leah and the dog I would love and it, it, the dog is kind of like a lion cat character but all it says is entrails <laughs> <laughs> I would love that and Angela is you know fi- basically final thing is that Sarah gets to live for a long time a very 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 long time and with that final decree she ends her reign as queen of hell and gives up the crown to Balder I guess kind of a brother-ish I don't really understand the explanation of well because she's the daughter of Odin I think which makes her like related to all these other gods so she she gives up the crown to Balder she kind of kind of says you know maybe Hela can have it back at some point if she can behave which I thought was kind of funny because I mean Hela is hell anyway yeah I mean she makes a point um in the book that hell or sorry Hela is not a villain like, she's made mistakes, but she's a good ruler for hell. Yeah. She is hell, kind of. The artwork, kind of at the end of the story, I think is just freaking awesome. The two where, where Angela and, and Sarah kissed with all the stars, which I didn't really understand the stars, but I, I kind of like that. It's kind of, I guess, like starry-eyed or something like that. It was very sweet. At the very end, they're going to have their happily ever after, except they're actually going to the real hell, which is the Brooklyn Ikea. <laughs> <laughs> so it's taken me f- five issues to figure out who's doing what art. So Kim Yacento is doing the, the the story with them actually fighting in hell. And then Stephanie Hans is doing the kind of more painterly, almost like dreamy part in the end, the one day later part of the story. 
Yeah, the one day later, and then at the end, the that's her too. The last page with we're going to the Brooklyn IKEA. <laughs> this one, I, I really liked uh, this story. I thought it blended a lot of things that I really liked. Like I like the the characterization that's going on here. I liked the the love story. I felt it it felt very authentic to me. It does. You can tell that they they really genuinely care for each other and i mean obviously she's going to risk going into hell to take to get her woman out yeah it's kind of like a modern like orpheus you know like she's she's descending into hell to get her her love back i feel like the art on this was just page after page of just awesome like it reminded me of like in the best way of like heavy metal like album covers from the 80s yeah Yes. Like, there are drawings on here that deserve to be, like, airbrushed on the side of a van, you know? Oh, straight up. The Draugr, I love the Draugr attack with the other, with Hela's, I guess, I, I don't know, Draugr-ish thing. That fight scene with the two of them going at each other, that's like somebody's tattoo on somebody's back. Like That's exactly <laughs> the scene I was thinking of. Yep. <laughs> That and there's a there's a panel where they're talking about, you know, like hell is memories, yeah. so they have to make new memories and you'll know them when you see them. And like the next page is this super awesome fight scene between like Angela and Hella, and it's it's yeah. awesome. <laughs> I, I wish I had a better descriptor than awesome, but this this is just so full of <laughs> awesome and radness. No, it's awesome. You can use fucking awesome, it slays. Like, there's, I guess you could use, like, everything. Just a little bit of everything. Yeah, so so the art is awesome. Um, and both styles, I feel, kind of, they work for the scene that they're trying to portray. Yes. So I, I like the characterization that you get. I felt that it had humor. It had, like, tension and, like, high stakes. You had awesome art. I just, I really enjoyed this book. My enjoyment of Angela continues with every issue that I read. And if I, if you hadn't told me to go back and read the the Secret Wars Angela storyline, I probably would have missed all of this, and that would have been a damn shame. I read before that, but it was a 1602 series that kind of brought it home, which is also by Marguerite and by Karen Gillian, so you can't not love what they did with that, and it continues on through here. I like the scene where uh, Sarah is crowning Angela as the Queen of Hell. Freaking awesome. I like the, the lack of detail. It was just like all shadow. Like a shadow, yeah. I thought that was great. I can't wait to see what they do with the next series because obviously this, I mean, next story arc we're going to get, the last page. I'm kind of excited. I also, I really like the contrast of when she takes off. Like you were talking about how the, the scene where mm-hmm. she's crowning herself is all dark and in shadows. And then when she takes off the crown of hell, it's all bright colors yeah. So I like that, that, you know, putting on the crown, you know, no no color, taking it off, suddenly everything's in color again. So I, I enjoyed that. I, I thoroughly enjoy this book. I will give it four and a half Angry Draugers. <laughs> and that's a lot of Angry Draugers. You, you took my rating and my thing. So I will give it four and a half crowns. So uh, speaking of, of Hell, I had another, another book uh, from Image Comics, The Goddamn Number Three. Written by Jason Aaron, art by R.M. Guerra. So this continues the story of um, basically of Cain and of Noah, both sort of in that space before the flood. You find Cain basically is is wandering around, 
There's there's all kinds of cruelty and and horrors in the the world. There's a lot of discussions about like love and what it what it, you know love actually means. Like you have scenes where you see uh, right after the fall. So they're not in Eden. They're like east of Eden. But the world is still new and, and beautiful. You know, death hasn't come to the world yet. So you have scenes with uh, like Adam and Eve who are bickering with each other, which I love. Oh my God. He's so mean. He's a dick. <laughs> I love she's like, fuck you. The snake was more of a man than your dick was coward. That was the best line. <laughs> nope. She's like, fuck you. <laughs> like that. Yeah. Yeah. Blaming her for his. Yeah. That's classic, though. I mean, that's right to the heart of the story that they're they're talking about. You know, that uh, the woman gets blamed for for the fall. So then, like this this book is really good at just showing you horrors. Like you see the the level of like sin that's in the world that is going to cause you know God to to cause this flood. They do a really great job of giving you images that are they're kind of like rough in their drawing, but I think that lends to kind of the the sense of like gritty reality that they kind of have to them. Like they look fantastical, but they look like they exist in a very harsh world. I almost liken it to like a look like Mad Max. Yes. Well, I think we've called this before uh, Mad Max uh, meets uh, the Bible. Yeah. It's got that very Mad Max look and feel of horror and bad people and weird shit. And what, what I also like is that there aren't really necessarily good people and bad people. I mean, they're, they're, people that they encounter that are absolutely horrific and have no redeeming qualities, but the people that you would expect to be good, like Noah and his people, they're definitely not presented in what I feel is like a good, a good Mm -hmm. light. Like they, when they had this, so they have all these animals and they obviously can't feed other animals to them because they're trying to save as many animals as they can. So when they come across the villages and, you know, take all their, cut down all their trees and take whatever animals they have, Mm -hmm. They basically butcher all the the women and men to use as food for like the lions and tigers and bears, all of those things. And then they like enslave the children to act as like camp followers to actually do the feeding and cleaning, uh, that kind of stuff. So Noah, not not a nice guy. No. Well, I think it kind of reflects on like the the Old Testament. God is not not nice. So his servants are not going to be nice people either like they're doing what they need to do to save the world yeah but they're not they're not trying to i don't feel like they're trying to save the people in the world at all yeah. they've chosen their path they're damned they're gonna die i like the conversation between Cain and the woman where she's like you know please bring me please bring me back god like she's talking to god and he's and he's like save your breath like god god's there but not probably not listening i thought that was kind of kind of interesting yeah i, I posted that uh, that panel where he's, they're like at the campfire and he's telling her that, you know, God may hear you, but he doesn't care. So then there's also a part with uh, Cain where like these raiders are coming to, you know, murder them and rape the woman and do all these horrible things. And Cain basically walks out into the field and like takes off his clothing. And she's like, what are you doing? You know, and they see the mark that God has put upon him, which they recognize and they get the hell out of there. Yeah. So I, I like that, that he doesn't really explain to her what is happening. He just, you know, if you know, like, the story and you know the, how he's been cursed, then you understand why they're not going to harm him, which I thought was was interesting. And I have absolutely no religious knowledge, so this is all new to me. Basically, there's a scene in there where 
where Cain uh, kills Abel uh, in a field, which is really brutal, where it's just like bashing him in with like a rock, which is like immediately in contrast to the pages before it, where it's showing you the lands east of Eden, still basically pretty much a paradise. And then he introduces sin and death into the world. And it just all goes to hell. Like they have a shot of like the nice green, like river valley. And then they show you what's happened to it since then. I mean, it's the same place. Desolate and yeah, all the death, nastiness. Yes. Yeah. So when he did that, God, God cursed him to, to wander the earth, um, but he could never die. And anyone who harmed him would, would suffer like greatly. That's the mark that's on him. It's, I guess, because not every, he doesn't show that to every of the, all of the, the raiders, but he showed it to them mm-hmm. because there were too many of them for him to actually defeat. So what he's been looking for this whole time, he's been wandering the earth. He's been trying to find something that can kill him. Like in issue one, he fought like a T-Rex, uh, which was awesome. Yeah. Uh, and in this one, he, so he's, he's been looking for a giant, which are the Nephilim, which are like the human children of angels, of fallen angels, basically. That's what he finds at the end, right? Yes, at the end where he sees, where he says like, you know, they're, they're going in to rescue her child. And he's like, this plan will work. And then I found the thing I've been looking for. And then you get this panel of this giant and these horrible little people around him. I mean, I guess they're not little people. They're regular sized people, but they look so small. But they look small. And that's what I was like, are they little people? Or is that guy really big? So it's that guy's really big and they're just normal. Yeah, he's a, he's a giant. So he, so now Cain has finally come face to face with the thing he's been waiting for, the thing that he thinks that can kill him. So he, I think, is like having to make the decision: does he save these these people, or does he end his own? Does he fight this thing and end his own life? So I'm interested to see what he chooses. Right. I'm pretty sure he's going to choose to fight the giant, but I, I am curious to see what happens. What happens in the Bible? <laughs> Well, this is kind of like the the space between the the chapters. Um, so once Cain is is cursed and set out to wander the land, you don't hear from him again. This this is kind of like a, a speculative, you know, what what would happen. Um, but he's he's cursed to like wander the earth until the like end of days. So it would make sense that he and Noah would exist at the same time. I'm really he and every character would exist at the same time. This to me is actually really fun since I don't have a lot of knowledge at all about Bible stories. Did not did not grow up with that. Right. So all of this to me is fantastical anyway. <laughs> so. I like this because it's it's really gritty and violent and has horrible, horrible things in it. But I, I honestly believe um, that it's not really that like heretical. Everything that's happening in here, I think if you, you know, it makes sense with what happens in the Bible. It doesn't contradict anything that happens there. So I think if you had like a person who was religious and sort of maybe more open-minded, um, that they would they might enjoy this. I think it really shows you like the wages of sin on the world. Yeah. Like in issue one and two, you see a lot of the, like the living conditions of the people that they just, they don't know how to do anything. Like they don't know how to take care of people they don't know how to not destroy the earth around them so i think there's probably like an environmental message going on in there too probably a little bit a little bit about how the world is turning as well not just environmentally but nowadays (laughs) yeah well it's like i mean sin is the separation between man and the will of god so if we're supposed to be stewards of the earth then all this like environmental destruction that's taking place is us separating ourselves from that that will. I mean, that's that's one way to look at it. Sure, I enjoy. It's Jason Aaron. 
I will probably read anything that he does. And I totally enjoyed it. I, I remember he he debuted this at the Image Image Convention, and I was interested because they, they showed some of the artwork, and I thought it was it looked awesome. Yeah, I mean, Jason Aaron and Ariam Guerra um, have worked together in the past. Um, they worked together on Scalp, which was amazing. So they I think they, they gel really well together, that they each know what the other is kind of looking for in their scenes and in their writing. So it, it works. It's it's a really good story. I like really dark, uh, twisted stories where no one is no one is good. So this is right up my alley. I also like seeing things I've never seen before. And there are things in this book that I have never seen before. There's some fucked up shit. Yeah, there is. Definitely. I gave this one four Nephilim. I will uh, give it uh, four Bone Boys. Those uh, creepy little kids. Mm, they are creepy with their sharpened teeth and their... Uh, yeah, those are yeah. Those are bad. Those are bad children. Don't like them. So X Men, <laughs> worst X Men ever. I kind of want to say that as comic book guy. Uh, Marvel Comics, written by Matt Maximus and Michael Walsh. This was one of our fallen friends' picks, and I actually I picked it up too because I I wanted to read it. I thought it looked kind of funny. Um, we follow uh, Bailey. This was, I mean, Carissa ended up selecting it, but this was actually suggested to us by a listener as well. Oh, it was? Yes. So, uh, yeah, Malcontent uh, sent us uh, a, a message that we should check this out and review it. So Carissa said she was going to pick it anyway, so it, it worked perfectly. Win-win. Yes. So we do listen when people send us messages or suggestions. So by all means... You can send messages or suggestions at fourcolornerds.com or on Facebook or on Twitter or on Instagram. Or you could email us at fourcolornerds at gmail.com. That would work too. All of those, all those things are excellent. This is pretty funny. We meet like the nerdy kid who obviously is really awkward, who has a, who at first they're like looking at, looking at hot chicks, I guess, or the hot chick. In school, the gothy hot chick, which I was like, okay, that's pretty damn cute. I mean, he he's obviously the fully nerdy kid, and I love his parents, like, sit him down, and his first thought is like, holy crap, my parents are getting divorced, which I guess probably at, the, you know, at a teenager age, you'd think that. You would never think that your parents would tell you, hey, by the way, we have special powers and we're mutant. And I love how it's like, immediately, hey, my parents are mutants. Hey, we're going to... Xavier's school for special kids. <laughs> yeah, I like when they, they tell him out of like, now, son, you really need to think about this and the path you want to take in life. And like, to give him this whole big talk. And then it's like 20 minutes later, <laughs> they're at like Xavier's Academy. Yeah, he's like, I'm in, I'm in. And he's so excited. He gets to like interview with Beast and they're going to figure out what his powers is. And he's super awesome. He's like, I'm going to have healing powers. I'm going to have claws. I'm going to be super awesome. He's all for this. I'm going to shoot laser beams out of something. Yeah. Exactly. And then he figures out what his power is. Is He just basically explodes. (laughs) And he doesn't explode. So he asks the question. He's like, so I explode and I like reform on like a molecular level, you know? And they're like, no, no, you just explode. Yeah, no, that's it. You're you're one time, one time use. That's what I thought. I was like, oh, it's a one time use. That's it. Which I kind of feel like this is, since it is a limited story, this is like a one of five. I kind of feel like number issue five 
gets to use his power. Well, so here's the thing. This series, there's a couple things about this series. Um, first of all, uh, Max Bemis is not really a comic book writer. He's the lead singer for a band. He's the lead singer for Say Anything. That's why I was like, that name sounds familiar. Yeah. So I think that's kind of really helps him nail that, uh, like the same place he's tapping into for music. He's probably tapping into for those scenes of like isolation and, yeah. you know, nothing makes me special. What what am I like all of the, that teenage angst, um, that same wellspring, you know, fuels this book and fuels the music. And like, as far as the writing goes, the writing is, is spot on. It's pretty fun. It's funny. I mean, it's it's kind of sad. You feel sad for him because he's like, I'm the worst X-Men ever. <laughs> so and the other thing is this series originally was done as a digital uh, digital only release from Marvel, but it was really popular. So now they're putting it out in print. Mm-hmm. You can go buy the five issues like from Comixology or Amazon or wherever, or you can buy them in print or get the trade paper back when it comes out. But I'd like to see the continuation. I mean, I feel like I think I know what's going to happen, but... Still, I'd like to see it all play out because he's meeting all the X-Men and it's kind of fun to see that him interact like with Jubilee and stuff like that and meet everybody and all the other, you know, other mutants. It's kind of fun to see his reactions. I haven't read all five yet because I I didn't really know about it when it came out. And then I read this and now I really want to read all of them. But I want to pace it out because I have a feeling that we're probably going to people are probably going to pick this again for their their choices. So, yeah, I like there's that that scene where the uh, the sentinel uh, shows up and just the big foot comes down and just stomps his uh, his parents, uh, which Carissa had commented to us earlier when it for a lot of like Monty Python of like the opening the foot coming down and then you get to see all the X Men like leap into action and use all their superpowers and you're just standing there like well he he he's like curled like in a ball basically yeah. like terrified and Beast you know goes over to him and kind of like shields him. So I thought that was a nice characterization for, for Beast also. I'm a big Beast fan. And then, like, they have this, was it Forge has built this, like, uh, mech suit for him, basically? Because they, they and I, I really liked the X-Men were really nice to him. Yeah. You know, even though he has a terrible power, they're still like, you're mutant. You know, you're in this. You want to help. Let's, let's let you help. So I, I really liked this. I thought it was really cute. I thought this was really fun. I also think it's, it's like a good like teen book. Like this is this could be a good like younger or all ages book. It's kind of fun. I mean, obviously there's a little little death, but I feel this is a good like you know eleven, twelve, thirteen. This would be kind of fun for them. I think if you like that kind of like indie emo music, like if you like say anything or other bands that are like that, this is coming from that exact same place, and you're gonna like it. Yeah, teen angst. Yes. Which, I mean, that's the X-Men are all about, like, identity and who you are, you know, and this one is what makes you special. And what I'm what I'm hoping that the story is going to eventually show you is that it's not the powers you have, it's who you are. You know, that the difference between a supervillain and a superhero is not their abilities. It's, it's their heart. It's who they are on the inside. I'm hoping that he's going to have a moment, like a heroic, you know, growth and journey... I'm thinking like you are, that there's probably going to be a moment at the end where he's the only guy standing and there's, you know, a choice to be made. And he's going to, he's going to have his big hero moment. I think so. That's my, that's my thought. I I think that's probably what's going to happen too. And like I said, I I could go and read the the five like digitally, but I think I'm going to wait and read them as they come out in print because if we pick them, I want to read them new, you know? Yeah. Figure it all out. We can all figure it out together. Yeah, I'm, I'm 
pretty sure this will probably be another pick. It was pretty pretty fun. I enjoyed it. It was pretty good. I, I enjoyed it. What did you end up giving it? I will give it three and three quarters flat. <laughs> <laughs> I, I ended up giving it, uh, I'll give it four and a half Xavier's schools. Originally, I gave it four, and then I went back to reread it, and I appreciated it a lot more on the second read through. Like the first time with like a four, I was like, this is pretty good. And then with like the, the four and a half, I was like, there's nothing yeah. about this I don't like. There's not a panel I don't like. There's not a page I don't like. For someone who's not a prof- like a professional mm-hmm. like writer, they do a really good job. It's good, and I also appreciate there's not a shit ton of dialogue that doesn't need to be there. Yes. Like, it has a lot of just the action happening. You see what's going on, especially in the scene with the Sentinel comes in and you have Beast there. Like, there's a whole panel of just Beast being there and holding him where everything is going around. But there's no there's no dialogue. And there doesn't need to be. Because you know what's happening. I think you get that from being, like, a songwriter, right? You're not used to writing in, in prose. You're not used to writing, like, long paragraphs and, like, explanations of things. Like, you go for the the core of the the moment or the feeling yeah. and then you express it in in basically poetry which you know you have like minimal words to express maximum emotions or thoughts and i think that translates really well into writing comic books i mean not that this rhymes or anything like that when i'm saying it's like poetry but yeah but it makes sense it's also it's got like you've got the beginning where it's like the intro and then you have like the chorus in the middle that goes on a couple times and then you kind of have your closing statement yeah. <laughs> It kind of feels like that. Yeah, I agree. So then we had a, another book, More Hell, <laughs> More Descents into Hell. More Hell! Back to Hell! Uh, Patsy Walker, a.k.a. Hellcat. Uh, we are on issue number three, Marvel Comics, written by Kate Leth, art by Brittany L. Williams. We, I love freaking Hellcat. It's just so goddamn cute. I mean, <laughs> you don't even have to know what's going on. They do talk about who Cassiolina is in the beginning. They're like, she's some like crazy sorceress who got kicked out of Asgard and is obviously, it, and what it comes to, down to is actually she's like trying to recruit people to join her. Um, we'll kind of find out at the end. She So Patsy and her friends get to meet their, she, well, Patsy gets to meet her kind of a-hole landlord who's got kind of like a hot, hot son that she's like all getting on, she wants to get in with. She uh, she tries you know talk to him and and is interested in him and uh, Ian's like ew no they have an invasion of uh, bed bugs and I love it magical bed bugs magical bed bugs so who are they gonna who are they gonna call Doctor Strange I love that she goes and she's like trying to break into Doctor Strange's house which I would think would you really want to break into that house if you knew it was in there. Because we've seen what's in there. <laughs> yeah. And I love it because he even tells her, he's like, um, Patsy, use the door. Well, I think it's it just is her personality is to, like, climb in through the window rather than go through the front door, you know? Exactly. But it was just funny. She's like, Patsy, just next time use the door. And it's weird. He, like, juices up her powers because she, she has these psychic powers that we haven't seen a whole lot of. But we know she has them because it was, like, mentioned in the first one that she has these special powers. Yeah. Well, because they know each other. I mean, they were, like they mentioned, they were on the Defenders together. Yeah, and so he, like, juices up her powers, like, gives her a little little shot <laughs> of powers. And so she goes off to figure out where the, you know, what's what's controlling these bed bugs. And she finds out that it's the, the hot sun controlling them. 
That's kind of a bummer. Yeah, I was so funny. She's like, "Oh, gross," and it was probably like, "Oh, bummer." Oh, that's it was so gross. <laughs> Once again, like the crap, the crappy like superpower. You're like, "Oh." <laughs> yeah, I liked it, like the parallel to like Ant Man. Instead of his ants, it's bed bugs. <laughs> it's like just yeah, so so gross. <laughs> Well, that I kind of like the parallel between Patsy and uh, Cassie Elena, that they both realize there are people who have powers that like don't really help them that much. So like Patsy's trying to help them by giving them yeah. like actual jobs, and then Cassie Elena is taking them and like corrupting them and like turning them evil. So I appreciated that parallel between the two. In the end, I mean, he now has a a bug. He's like a. He's like an exterminator. Yeah, I also like when he's summoning his bed bugs. He's like, "To me, my bed bugs," which is you know Professor X with his like, "To me, my X Men." And he had didn't it have this weird like he looked like he had antennas like coming up when he did that. Yes. Yeah. He has like antennas, and then like they're like covering him and almost making like armor on top of him, which is just so disgusting. <laughs> yeah. We've been to New York a couple times, and every time we always hear about the warnings of the bed bugs, and I've so always been fearful of like actually seeing bed bugs and having bed bugs and bringing them home. We've been very lucky. To me, very clearly, the writer uh, and artist have had bed bugs before, because like it seems like a personal like horror tale from like the worst apartment you've ever lived in. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, it's funny is there's even like one little like those little one of those little side pop up like I want to like call it pop up videos where it says you bed bugs don't don't actually bite like you don't actually feel them but these are special bed bugs these are magic bed bugs. <laughs> there's like all these little like horrific little editor notes like not everyone has reactions you could have bed bugs and not know it you know exactly. I also really like the the art in this. Yeah, it's cartoony but fun cartoony. I mean, it looks like a cartoon. It kind of reminds me of, like, not exactly Saturday morning cartoon, but, like, for, like, um, Batman animated series. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, it reminds me of that. It reminds me of, like, Archie. Yeah. And then you've got... I love, like, all the little reaction panels <laughs> for her. It's very expressive. Right. Good good, um, good reactions out of her. Very good reactions. Um, it's fun. It's continuously fun. I mean, I, I will continue reading. We'll figure out who Cassie is. We get to hear... It. You know, we'll figure out what's going on with the uh, with her and Hetty. You know, the stories that she got republished and where's where's Patsy's money? Show me the money. Yeah, poor Patsy has to work. You know, in all these like horrible jobs. Like I also, I, though, I really like the cover where she's working as like a barista, and all the like Marvel characters are there getting their drinks. Um, and she's like spelled Groot's name wrong and like I got herbal tea for Groot. 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 Yeah, there's like a little picture of like Howard the Duck like in the corner. Like I just. I know. I love that where he's like popping up under underneath um, Medusa's hair. Yeah, it was a nice cover. It really gives you the tone of the book. What'd you end up giving this one? I will give it four bedbugs. I will give it three and a half Doctor Stranges. Doctor Strange is always good. Always good. He is. I, I like the interaction between them. I do you know, too. That they clearly are like friends, and there's almost like a a Yoda aspect to him in here. Yes. So he's like, you must return for your training, you know? Yeah. I hope, I hope that we continue to see him if that's going to happen. Cause I, I enjoy that more Dr. Strange, the better. 
So I had a book from from DC, which is the tonal opposite of uh, Patsy Walker, which was Dark Knight 3, The Master Race number 3, from DC Comics, written by Frank Miller and Brian Azzarello, uh, art by Andy Kubert and Klaus Jensen. So Dark Knight 3, I, I really feel like this issue is where this story hits its stride. Like the previous two issues have been kind of setting up the, the world and where they're at and presenting the, the situation. But now we have, you find out that Bruce Wayne is is not dead, that he felt like he was a liability and that he was going to get people killed because he's, you know, old and slow and that they'll be more concerned with protecting him than fighting the, the villain. So he faked his own death. Um, but he comes back now because the... All the, peop- the people that were trapped in Candor have this like crazy prophet guy who's telling, you know, basically every fear that Lex Luthor has ever had about what Superman could do, these people are, are doing. Um, they're demanding to be treated like gods. They say they'll, you know, they'll treat them well. You know, all you have to do, you know, is, is submit to them. Um, so it's this really creepy, like religious overtone to what they're, what they're doing that, if you if you submit to them, the you know the terror and death will end and everything will be fine. All they ask is you know your absolute loyalty and devotion. So crazy cults. Yeah, and there's uh, in in all of the Dark Knight stuff, you'll have uh, stuff with like newscasters talking, you know, like talking heads talking about what's going on. There's a panel with Donald Trump in here um, that I thought was really interesting, where he says like uh, he's you know they have three days to decide what they're going to do, and like the UN is meeting and like all this. T- you know, diplomatic stuff is going on. He's like, diplomacy is the the last refuge of cowards. You know, that it's it's a failure to negotiate. So I thought that was an interesting commentary. Uh, whether you think that's true or not, it's interesting that he's pulling in more more recent uh, things. I also felt like in some of the issues there's been like texting back and forth, and it felt not so not so well written. But I think that has improved a little bit. Um, whether he's getting more feedback or I don't know, but I feel like that has improved a little bit. It still bugs me. I don't like it. The texting and anything kind of bothers me. I just, and it, it maybe it's because the way that they do it, like when I text, I, I do use emojis, but I don't abbreviate every freaking word. Yes. And it's like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. You're like the worst text you've received. You're like, oh my God. It's, yeah. This would be like, I, like, do not disturb. <laughs> shut off my phone fuck that shit so Batman and Robin basically go on this like pilgrimage to the Fortress of Solitude to like reawaken Superman and I really like the the scene here where they're like basically trying to hammer that like ice off of uh, off of Superman you know and trying to explain to him that you know the time for for moping is like over that the world needs him that his his people are on like a rampage so they have this great line where he's like, you know, wake up, Kansas. You know, it's, it's we need you. I love that. That, that. that one got me. That one got me. I was like, oh, that's really cute. Yeah, it's it's a really cool line. And then there's this part where he like bursts out of like the ice. And he's like, did you say my people? <laughs> what you talking about my people? <laughs> I think that the, the central like moral choice comes down to Superman and Wonder Woman's daughter. That you, you've kind of set out both ethoses, right? You've got... The idea that uh, they're better than humanity and that humanity doesn't deserve their protection, that humanity is like slaves to them, basically. And then you have like Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman who are like, you know, defenders of these people. And she's kind of in the middle. And I think what she chooses to do is kind of the point of this book. Does she 
you know, which path is she going to go down? So I, I felt like this was really, really much stronger than the previous two issues. Um, everything's coming together. You've got really, I'm glad to see Batman and Superman back, which, you know, if you, I really like this this Frank Miller take on both characters. So, I mean, we've seen them fight before. Now I think we're going to see them together uh, fighting against these uh, Kryptonians from from Candle. There's also a backup uh, story of a Green Lantern story, which is fantastic. I don't know if you continued reading after the main story or not, but the Green Lantern story is really good. I did not because I didn't realize that it, I thought it was like a preview for the next Green Lantern, so I just kind of ignored it. So at the end of previous issues, they've had they've had like the Atom, um, they've had uh, Green oh, yeah. Green Lantern, um, and those stories become really relevant in the next issue, basically. Oh. So this story is there's these three like alien women who come down and are floating around like the Sphinx, and they're trying to decide what the like the social order of the world is, like why are men always in charge of women and is this the right thing or the wrong thing should they uphold this like patriarchy or should they you know they tear it down so they're having this discussion about what they should do and green lantern uh shows up and is like ready to fight them right off the bat you know because they're they're aliens you know and they're they're up to something and they're like oh you're earth's protector um let us let us serve you you know tell us what to do and it, there's this weird sexual overtone to it too that's really kind of creepy where they're like you know break our will make us submit to your will and we'll do whatever you want make us your you know you're like a god to us so he's kind of trying to figure out what they're doing and that's when they they turn on him and like i don't know if it's there if they're from if they're kryptonians or not but they use like this like laser vision to cut off his hand that has the ring on it and they so they've been like distracting him the whole time you know they've been like circling around Ooh. him and like getting into like basically like attack formation yeah so they cut off his hand with their laser vision, um, and he, you know, he falls to the sky because without the ring, he's just a normal person. They like catch him like an inch before the ground and like throw him into the ground, but they don't let him like splat. And then they like they fly off with like the hand and the ring, which I was not expecting them to cut off his hand. So that was that was pretty cool. It seems like every DC character at one point or another is going to get their hand cut off. It happens to Green Arrow, it happens to Aquaman, Green Lantern now. So. Whatever it is, uh, guys in DCs are getting getting their hands cut off. So, but overall, I think that this one more closely matches the quality of the the first Dark Knight. Um, like the first Dark Knight is in a area all of its own, um, so nothing could ever quite reach that. Like that's my favorite graphic novel of all time. But this comes pretty close, a lot closer than the previous issues have, and I really like the stuff with with Superman and Batman together. So I enjoyed it very much. I am enjoying this as well which I know is weird to say since I'm not a, a huge DC fan. I mean, I've always been a Batman fan. I, I like this. This feels this feels like Batman, even though, I mean, it's obviously old Batman. I, the part with the with Superman, like chiseling out Superman, that was, that was probably my favorite part, the conversations that they had between he and Robin. I thought was, that was kind of fun. I enjoyed that a lot. I do enjoy the daughter. I don't know. Just looks weird. Yeah, she is kind of weird. I don't like the ponytail. It's a personal choice. I get it. <laughs> it's, my, it's, like, it's like, I can't not. I'm the, the, the woman in me goes, no, I can't. I don't know. The, the big eyes, the lips, the hair, the super huge widow's peak. She looks like she should be like a genie. And maybe that's what bothers me. I don't know. I get her character. I get where they're going with it. I, I do see that this is going to be possibly the battle between daughter and cult. And father, 
at, you know, what it's going to come down to. Yeah, I think that that is definitely what this is building up to. Like, I really, I really feel like you could pick up this issue without having read the first two. Like, if they had done one more rewrite of the series, this would be where the story picks up. Maybe one more issue to explain, like issue two, where they have like the the, the, can, the people from Candor getting freed. Like that probably belongs in there. But I feel like there's been one issue too many. Yes. And now we're hitting where the story should be. Yeah, we we could have we could have cut up a. Cut up, probably cut up the first two books and made one out of those two. Yes, I agree. I also really, you talked about the scene where they go to, to Superman, and I think that is the key scene in the book. I really like how they really reinforce the idea that he's like a, a deity. Like, I really feel like they're on a pilgrimage when they're going through the, the snow to the Fortress of Solitude. That, to me, could have been a picture of, like, monks from, like, the Middle Ages, you mm-hmm. know, on their, their pilgrimage. Um, so I appreciated that that imagery. Um, overall, I really enjoyed this. Uh, I would give it uh, four and a half Kansases. Uh, I will give it three and three quarters bats. Just bats. Well, I feel like every DC book is going to get like a one star uh, like uh, penalty yeah. <laughs> from you guys. So sorry. I, mean, I I do actually <laughs> I do really really enjoy this. Um, I I have read you know the or the other the the Dark Knight. And I, you know, I did, I do enjoy that. So I kind of feel that because it's Frank Miller, I probably like it. Well, I think uh, Brian Azzarello is doing a lot of the writing on this too. But yeah, Frank Miller is definitely a big influence on this. I appreciate the darkness of it. Yeah, I like the, <laughs> I the gritty, like the sense of that this is this is a fight that has to that has to happen. You know, that this is their backs are up against the wall. It's do or die. Um, which is kind of what I liked about Spider-Woman last, uh, was it last week or two weeks ago? Um, that sense of there is no more negotiation. There's, you know, it's time for violence. Yep, we got to beat some heads in. We keep uh, we keep going back to hell in this uh, this <laughs> podcast. So we had uh, Hellboy and the BPRD, 1953, Beyond the Fences, number one. It's from Dark Horse Comics. It's written by Mike Bignola and Chris Robertson. Uh, art by Paola Rivera and Joe Rivera. Uh, I really, I like Hellboy and the BPRD. I think the regular series for them is one long continuous story. So I appreciate when they take more like the Conan aspect to stories. Like this is a moment from his life. Here's this nice story. You know, it doesn't necessarily tie into anything. You don't have to read any other Hellboy stories. Everything is self-contained in this. And I like those type of Hellboy stories a lot more and the overall BPRD arc that's that's going on. Um, Matt might disagree if he was here. I mean, this was his pick. Um, but I, I enjoyed this book um, a lot more than I have previous ones. Uh, this story is basically uh, one of Hellboy's first missions. That's the whole point of the 1953 series, that it's kind of Hellboy, you know, a lot younger and inexperienced, uh, going out and kind of learning about the world, that there's this, this town where, you know, first pets went missing, then, like, children have gone missing. So they're here to investigate what's what's going on. And they... I like the that they're almost like celebrities when they get to the town. There's, like, panels where they're asking them for their autographs, uh, which I think Carissa posted one of those panels uh, where they're asking him, like, all the different types of monsters he's fought. You know, and they call them... Uh, what do they don't call it werewolves. They call it... Uh, Wolfmen. Wolfmen. Wolfmen's, yeah. <laughs> so 
I, I like the little kids, you know, being fans of like Hellboy because uh, he's famous. And one of the kids uh, who's not there trying to get their autograph, he's kind of like over in the corner, like moping. And Hellboy goes over and talks to him and he finds out like his his dog has gone missing. So he's really sad. And, you know, Hellboy tells him, I'm, I'm sure he'll turn up. Don't worry. And then you find there's this uh, this like experiment thing that happened like back with uh, when they were doing like all the atomic testing. That basically when they did these these atomic bombs like open up rifts in the world that all these monsters come through. So back in like the 40s, this happened and they they fought all the monsters that came through. Um, and the scientist has like a piece of I don't know if it's like the fuel or something that came through, but he has this basically this MacGuffin that he's stolen from the lab and that has opened up like another another rift that something has come through. And you get uh, at the end of the book, you find the kid's dog who's gone missing has been like possessed by this like demon thing. So there were lots of interesting visuals. I liked the storytelling. Um, I liked Hellboy being kind of inexperienced and seeing things like not exactly for the first time, but through like newer eyes. So I, I enjoyed this one. I think if you like Hellboy... Um, you can pick this up. It's not tied into any other plot line. Um, you can just pick it up, read it, enjoy it. It's probably going to be, my guess, is two or three issues. And then you can pick up the next 1953 one that comes out. And I failed and didn't read it. However, I will give it five stars for the damn cover. The cover is <laughs> The awesome. cover is good. Saturday, I mean, that is the ripoff of the Saturday Evening Post. And I freaking, the cover is adorable. Like, that needs to be a poster. Yeah. Well, and that's the whole thing with, like, the kids, like, it's interesting because, like, the, the adults are kind of leery of Hellboy, um, but the kids are not. Um, and they all want him to sign, like, you can see they're holding, like, the Life magazines, you know, things, and that's what they want him to sign is, like, the story about him. So this ties into a lot of, like, 1950s stuff and suburbia um, and kind of, like, the idea that, you know, the suburbs are supposedly safe, but there's there's something in the shadows just beyond well, I mean, they call it beyond the fence, you know, that there's this, this idea of this separation of what's safe and not safe. Um, so I, I enjoyed it. I, I thought this was a really good, um, if you like Hellboy, if you haven't been reading Hellboy for a while, or you just want a story that you can jump into, this one is top notch. I ended up uh, giving it, I gave it uh, three and a half uh, fences. So Savage Dawn. This is the part where Christina turns into a giant asshole. <laughs> <laughs> so apparently I know you so can do apparently it. You Ryan can appreciates <laughs> torturing me because I am now doing the second Savage John book after tearing the first one in a new a-hole because, and, and keep in mind that it already has a giant gaping a-hole so I made another one on the side you're so creative <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so in time trying to read this book and just trying to read it because I just can't. It's basically douche bro, super douche bro. Very sad that his sick bro pad is now being stolen by Vandal Savage. And by sick bro pad, I mean his Fortress of Solitude. He's all sad and angry and sad about, I guess, Vandal Savage is trying to steal it from him. And then he has his, what are these weird super wonder twins that look identical are these real characters are these new who are these people as far as i know they're vandal savage's children and i don't think they're 
I don't think they're existing characters. Not that I know of. They've never been used before. And they're not really like the Wonder Twins. Like Wonder Twins Unite. Like form of Steam. Mm, no. no. Not that I know Just of. Just checking. Because don't they look like it? Kind of? <laughs> kind of. I mean, like the whole... It, it's almost like the Terrigen Mists over in Marvel for Vandal Savage. Unleashing his cloud of like dark material around the world that's transforming people. So Super Douche Bro is trying to now attack Vandal Savage. He's pissed. He's angry. Vandal Savage has stolen his home, his Fortress of Solitude. Wonder Woman, yet again. I was very disappointed in Wonder Woman in this also. Jesus Christ, seriously? Like, why why even give her any lines at all? Yeah, I was thinking about this, because we read both this and the regular Superman um, storyline, and she was a lot stronger in the red, just the plain Superman book, you know? I just, oh, no good lines yet again. I feel like she is completely misused. Like you miss, I feel like it was even like super douchey. Like she's like, you miss me. He's like, absolutely. Like, I feel like that's exactly how they're talking to each other. So my, my critique of it was there's plot, but not much writing uh, or characterization in this one. Like the art in this is good. Like the art, there's, there's only a few panels like, I to me that don't look good. <laughs> Um, which is where they do this like weird like grimace thing when they're like fighting. No. Like they like bare their lips back like I don't know like they're. Not at all. Yeah, that to me is the the artistic weakness in it. But other other than a few panels like that, it's pretty strong. Like their their image for um, what the Fortress of Solitude looks like um, looks pretty cool, but the writing is just not good. They're all making the same exact face at each other. Yeah, I feel like it was a lot of like a lot of like declarations without being dialogue. Like these are the criticisms like so for like Star Wars or all the great lines that like Harrison Ford says are basically him improvising that he like takes the script and is like, you can write this crap, but you can't say this. That's what this feels like to me that this, you know, you can write this. But you people don't talk like this. The page with this Vandal Savage, like, yes, it is accomplished. I was like, did we need one whole fucking page for that? So, and then, like, I, I don't like there's... I'm, I'm going to join you in, in, in not liking this one very much. Yes! Let the hate flow through you. <laughs> the power of the dark side. I feel the power of the dark side. So there's, like, this part where there's this force field that they have to get through. Um, and Superman's trying to punch his way through it, and it's not working. And then Wonder Woman shows up, and their, like, solution is just to punch it Stop harder. Punching. I would have liked that there was, you know, something nah. beyond just their brute force that allows them to get through it. But it's like, you know, punching it didn't work. Well, let's try plan, you know, plan B. Punch it harder. Well, of course, because that works every time, you know. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I just, I, I felt that there was a lot of characterization that could have happened here. Like, the original... I mean, I'm sure you haven't read it, but the original Superman Wonder Woman book was really cool. It was like the idea of Wonder Woman and Superman coming together as a couple is terrifying yes. to the world that they're so powerful. Yes, you create. They're poorly powerful. I mean, these are these are gods, basically. Yes. So that was like interesting, but now I don't know. I don't mind the characterization of Superman as much as you guys do, um, but I felt Wonder Woman in this was just a complete waste. Like she had no purpose in this book whatsoever. And and. The- in the last one we read, neither. Like, I, she is completely misused. This is not a Superman and Wonder Woman book. This is a 75% Superman, 10% Wonder Woman, and the rest, Vandal Savage. 
like what I would have liked at the point where they're like going trying to punch through the force field or whatever is you know I would have liked Wonder Woman showing up with a solution that Clark hadn't thought of you know or being like over at the control panel doing something like that she's not just another you know punch him superhero it was basically Hulk Hulk smashing for superhero I I was not a fan of this one this part of I mean advance the plot along um perfectly fine care like i almost at this point i'm just what about kill each other i do care about savage dawn i like it more than the writing should make me like it this is this is one of two savage dawn books that we're going to review this week which is also i think just a pacing issue that we had weeks where there's no savage dawn books and then weeks where there's two savage dawn books like spread that shit out, you know. You know, if especially if you're trying to set up like cliffhangers. I think right. I talked about this. Did I talk about this in the last yeah. one, where you have a scene where like uh, basically at the end of this thing, like a, a whole building falls on Clark, and you're like, oh no, is he going to be okay? I'm like, well, right. I got Superman sitting right over here, so I don't have to you know fret for a week or wonder about it for more than two yeah. seconds. I just pick up Superman and find out what happened. Like, if you're yeah. going to build tension. You know, you probably don't want to have your cliffhanger and your resolution on the same week. Just a pacing, basic pacing thing when it comes to storytelling. So, I, uh, what did you end up giving it? One giant turd. <laughs> I gave it two and a half Fortresses of Solitude. I think the art is pretty strong. The writing is pretty terrible. And when you add those two together, okay. you get like two and a half the stars. Art, the art is decent, except for the faces don't change like that panel with the four the super wonder twins and then and wonder woman and superman if you look at that panel they're making the exact same face at each other but one of them is choking the other one and the other one is punching the other one how are you making the exact same fucking face (laughs) i agree i agree that like that to me is the glaring weakness in the art so like overall the art i would give this like a three star for the art I'm probably like a one or one and a half for the writing. Right. Like the writing is not good. Um, and when you combine those together, that's how I get yeah. to my, my two and a half. Cause it is still DC and it's still Savage Dawn, which I, I care about the overall story. So I get where they're going. I just don't know if I care. I kind of so want Superman. We had uh, another book. Um, we had Superman number 49, also from DC comics, uh, written by uh, Jean Luen Yang art by Jack Herbert. So this is the continuation of the story, the Savage Dawn storyline that we had in the previous one. So this is um, with Lois Lane and Metallo and Superman, basically. That there's this one, this issue worked for me. Um, like I, I liked that they had the idea that Superman is someone who inspires people. Um, that he takes like Metallo, who is basically a villain and really creepily obsessed with like Lois Lane. Like he's very protective of her, but it's like a like a stalker protective, you know, in a way. Um, so he sees that Superman has, you know, basically sacrificed himself for people who don't like him. Because in this current run of DC, people don't really like Superman very much. They think he's very dangerous. And he explains that you know he's a hero and he will always sacrifice himself for others. And this kind of like inspires um, Metallo to also be more heroic than you've seen that he gets to basically redeem himself so i don't know how much you know about metallo no i had no idea who the hell he was at all there's several characters in here i'm like i did nope (laughs) 
So and he's like a, a cyborg powered by kryptonite, basically. Okay. So he's always been one of Superman's like big enemies because like he can open up his chest and there's kryptonite and like all his powers are based on that. And is now he a floating that, head? What's that? Does he have a floating head? Uh, I don't know if his head is attached or most of his body is like machine. Okay, because like, it looks very, like his head floats. I don't know if maybe that's just the angle of the art, but it looks like his head just kind of floats there. So he's kind of like the Darth Vader, like, you know, more machine than man kind of yeah. idea. Um, and now that Superman is getting, like, basically his weakness burned away by kryptonite, that Metallo's, like, heart, which is pure kryptonite, is going to enable Superman to become much stronger and be able to fight Vandal Savage. So you have this, what I thought was actually a really nice, well-written scene where Metallo um, basically gives him his, his heart, you know. And Superman's like, you know, he, he literally gave me his heart. I need to keep fighting. I, I really liked that part of the book very much. Probably, I don't know, having having liked Superman and read Superman, I thought that that was a nice, to me, what makes Superman special is that he makes other people better, that they want to do better, that they want to live up to his ideals. So I, I appreciated that. I don't know. Did you did you make it through this one? I did. Still I, not. I still uh, just, uh, this one I do it. I do have to say, I, this one is better than the other book. In art, dialogue, um, you actually get to see, like, there's like the characters actually do have a, a glimpse of who they actually are, and it's not just super douche bros, right. awesome douche bros all the time. So I, I appreciate it for that. I still just, I don't know. I, just <laughs> I also, there's a, there's a panel that has, <laughs> like, to me, it looks like really like retro art where like that mist is going around and turning all the people into like Vandal Savage's children. Like, I really like the one with the old lady mm-hmm. who's like in her walker um, and turns, in, turns into that just like bat winged like creature who's like, I don't need no damn pills, <laughs> you know? That part was yeah. pretty, pretty damn funny. Pretty. I, I enjoyed that. It almost kind of reminded it looked like something out of yeah. Ghostbusters. And like the but, art for that no, panel is very stylistically different from the other panels, you know. Um, like mm-hmm. it feels like a mm-hmm. maybe like a Neil Adams or like something, you know, very like seventies and it's in that one particular panel. So I thought that was cool. It doesn't match like anything else. It's like it does definitely stand out because, and I think it's intentional, obviously they're showing different locations where yeah. crazy shit's happening. Yeah, like you have the so. guy who's in like a poker game, I think, who gets like transformed and like the old lady. So they're all like attacking yeah. Superman. Like that's why he needs to be stronger is they're all there and, you know, kicking his ass. Um, so Metallo sacrifices himself, gives him his heart, which powers Superman even further. I, I like this one. I gave this uh, three and a half uh, Metallo's hearts. I did like it better. I actually did. I like the art better. I felt that Wonder Woman was at least yeah, that's what it was weird to me is especially reading them back to back. It really points out how in the first one she's like a total waste of a character. Like she doesn't need to be there for any reason whatsoever. And in this one, at least she had some characterization going on. You know, a character in this book, which was nice. So I I will give it two invisible jets for that. Because <laughs> go, I I like Wonder Woman, so I can't. Not you know, I'm I'm happy that at least she got used in this one, so I won't be completely, totally dickish on that. <laughs> Even though this isn't, this wasn't the freaking Wonder Woman Superman book. This was just a Superman book. Yeah, you could have switched the titles on them. Yeah, easily. very much so. So now for um, Christina's corner. 
<laughs> so I picked, um, and these are my top five badass ladies of recent times. Because, I mean, we could go through, yet again, it's one of those things where we have years and years of comics and there are some awesome badass ladies. But, you know, if you want to read something a little more recent, I figured these are, these are some good ladies to choose from. So, of course, getting back to hell yet again, Angela... Angela of Asgard, Angela of Queen of Hell, Angela of 1602, is probably, I mean, off of this list, right now, my number one badass lady. I love her. She's awesome. She kicks a lot of ass. She wears a lot of awesome metal bikinis and awesome outfits. I think, honestly, my favorite outfit is from 1602. The Whoever created the freaking suit of armor for her, good on ya. It's awesome. So highly, highly recommend if you have not read any. Obviously, we are all fans of her. But yeah, she's, and she's probably... I, I was not a fan of her until I read these ones. So yeah. um, I don't have any preconceived like loyalties to, towards that character coming into this. The current yeah. run is just fantastic. Yeah, I huge fan. Highly suggest. My and, and these aren't really in like number two, number ones. These are all like just awesomes. Cam from Bitch Planet, one of the two main characters in Bitch Planet. She's the former athlete who is now trying to get her, trying to get a group of girls to compete in the the Megatron. I mean, there are two lead characters. I I think she's my favorite. We've seen the most of her. Um, She kicks mucho ass. Just an awesome character. I love her. I love Bitch Planet. I mean, it's hard to pick one, honestly. From all the characters that we've seen in Bitch Planet, but she's That's your pick. my favorite. That's my pick. My pick of pick from her. Yeah, I love her. Um, and then this one you'll appreciate: Pregnant Spider Woman. <laughs> Holy fuck balls! <laughs> if you are pregnant and you kick ass, you definitely deserve to be a badass lady on my list. Because holy shit. Yeah, Spider-Woman is spectacular. So freaking good. I'm so happy that we actually get an like an awesome Spider-Man. I, I love that we have an awesome Spider-Man in an outfit that actually is reasonable for a superhero woman who is pregnant. Yeah. Well, like her outfit, <laughs> it, it bare skin. No, I mean, she's pregnant, so, you know, but even her regular yeah. outfit is not, you know, not skimpy. No. I, I'm very very happy that she's not it's in like a, a it's like a spider skin tight Black widow outfit basically. Yeah, yeah, but it's I mean you know you got the leather jacket, you got shoes, you got you know it's not like freaking high heels and bikini top. Right. <laughs> but I, she's I not approve. fighting crime I in a schoolgirl skirt. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, but still, like, I kind of like to see my my badass ladies wearing a little more than that. Um. Which comes to my my spirit animal, Hannah from Rat Queen. Of course, she's going to be on my list. I love her. She emulates exactly what I'm feeling almost all the time. Uh, my favorite thing to do is flip people off, and I feel that that is what she embodies, is basically fuck you. Fuck yeah, you, you, you call her fuck. your spirit animal, love. and I think that's probably one of the most accurate descriptions I've ever seen. Like, she looks yeah. like you, she sounds like you, she thinks yeah. like you. Like... I can totally like read her like when I read her I'm thinking exactly like how she say like how she says it I like I know exactly how she says it like if there is ever like a cartoon that they want to do of this I feel like <laughs> I should be the voice <laughs> <Just saying. laughs> 
<laughs> I have no little to no acting experience other than a few things in high school, but I feel like maybe I could do it. You're born for the role. I kind of I kind of feel like it. I love her. I love everything about her. I love all the rat queens. So it really, truly, it is hard to pick other than, of course, she's my spirit animal. Um, my last one is of so recent, and I... It is one of those comics that we have just fallen in love with. I'm picking Astrid mm-hmm. Mueller from Clean Room because, holy fuck, she is to go to do what she does. She's got to yes. be one scary motherfucker. She looks at basically demons in the face and is like, and it can be calm to them. And I, I, I like her That's impressive. You know, yes, like her. She's. You can tell that like. Everything that she says is very calm and precise and to, like, to the core. Like, Like, she's... Sometimes when you have characters, like, giving, like, badass lines, it's because they're frightened. I don't sense that she's frightened. She's like an ice sculpture, you know? She's cool, collected, and in charge of what's going on. Yeah, I... I, She's an awesome character. I mean, that... to, to, To portray a woman like that to be like the i mean she to be an ice queen but she's super powerful like you can tell like she controls an empire and it by herself and everyone i mean it's she has all those followers and there's she's a power powerful powerful woman very very impressive so she's not really a superhero but she's still yeah so i was badass. i was thinking about what i'm gonna bring to christina's corner um as so i started making lists of like all kinds mm-hmm. of like badass you know female characters um i also kind of limited myself to more recent characters um and i finally had to just do it like one one by publisher so they're not in any particular order um this is just my my list by by publisher so for me for marvel um i'm going to give it now these are not necessarily my favorite characters these are i think the most most badass um i was torn between spider-man and captain marvel but i'm gonna give it to captain marvel um, I think she, just in, in terms of sheer power, I think she, if we're going by badass, she's she's far more powerful. Um, she's one of the most powerful characters in the Marvel Universe, yeah. um, and I, I enjoy her a lot. Um, I liked her when, when Kelly Sue uh, wrote her. I like her in the current run. I mean, they're calling it Captain Marvel, but it's really more like an Alpha Flight book, but I really like that. Um, so that's, she's my pick for Marvel. For mm-hmm. DC, um, not exactly a new character, but to me, uh, Barbara Gordon is the most badass female character in the DC universe. I thought about going with Talia Al Ghul, um, but I decided I like Barbara um, because she's strong, mm-hmm. like in mind, in body, um, and in, in spirit. You know that she's had lots of adversity that she's had to overcome. That she's kind of that idea that they talk about in Batman that like it's not you know that you get knocked down; it's do you get up again. And she embodies that to me. So I, for me, she's my pick for, for DC. Then going over to Image, um, I actually am going to pick a book that we haven't um, read here. Um, not because I think it's bad. I just think it's it would be like trying to dump someone into like East of West or something. Like there's a lot of back going backstory going on it, you know, which would be uh, Forever Carlisle from uh, Lazarus by Greg Rucka, which is a fantastic book if you want to check it out it's like 20 something issues in and it's really dense but she is she's one of my favorite characters so um i'm gonna give it to her uh for dark horse um oh my god who was i gonna pick for dark horse i had someone picked out um 
oh, I remember from uh, from Conan. So there's been some Conan stories with uh, with I think it's Belit, uh, the pirate queen from Conan, who's not. So she's my pick for for Dark Horse. Um, I also, I'm not sure off the top of my head. I can't remember if it's Boom or who or Dynamite or whoever's doing the new Red Sonia. Um, I'll give them Red Sonia. Yeah, that was that was gonna be the. I have like I have like my honorable mentions, and that was gonna be one. I, was torn, I also yeah, wanted to pick Miss Marvel, Miss Marvel, because well, I Captain think she's Marvel, a great character. Uh, she Hulk, because I love She Hulk. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Well, I know. I'm surprised. This, I was think, expecting you to most, pick She-Hulk, regardless of when it comes the most to terms powerful of power, character. You still like love Carol her. Carol <laughs> has world-shaking cosmic powers, you know, and She-Hulk uh, can shake a building, you know, when she punches it, um, but she's not going to rip the world in half, you know. Mm-hmm. So I think just in terms of sheer power scale, which is what I'm going by here, um, and just coolness, you know, that, that she edges it out. Yeah. And yeah. I'm oh, not. He's absolutely one of. I the, also yeah. am going to give like a, if I a collective to, he's award in my top 10. Uh, to the Lumberjanes, <laughs> um, who are just so plucky and awesome. Uh, yeah. And I love seeing their adventures. So I'm going to give them one as well. Yeah. So those, those are mine. And screw everybody else's. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> So those were the books we read this week. To check out our weekly pull list and other nerd shenanigans, go check out fourcolornerds.com or our Facebook page, Four Color Nerds. You can follow us on Twitter or at Instagram. You can find us on iTunes, on SoundCloud. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast and be sure to come back next week for another episode. Until then, keep reading, nerds.